Hello, welcome to the Healthy Alternatives podcast. I am Dr. Christine Sauer with DocChristine.com. Today's show is a recording of my radio show of the same name. Enjoy! Good afternoon, this is Dr. Christine Sauer, your host of the show Healthy Alternatives here on 97.5 CIO EFM with live stream on communityradio.ca every Thursday at 12 noon Atlantic Standard Time. Thanks for tuning in today. In this show, I will talk mostly with guests about all aspects of health, healthcare and wellness, from conventional to alternative and everything in between. My mission for this radio show is to help change people's lives for the better by informing them about different options to get and stay healthy and well so they can choose for themselves which option might work in their case. And if you feel you are stuck in a dark place, I want to tell you, don't give up. There is a light at the end of the tunnel for you too. Today I'm extremely pleased to be with Nathalie Nidam. Nathalie is a certified holistic nutritionist, a bulletproof human potential coach and a biohacker. Hi Nathalie, happy to have you on the show. Hi Christine, thank you so much. I'm really glad to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm very happy to have you. So please tell people a little bit about yourself. Uh, why are you doing what you're doing? Maybe you should explain what a biohacker is. Nobody has any idea. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds a little scary, doesn't it? <laughs> well, you hack into a computer, you hack into yeah. biology. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it sounds illegal. I, def <laughs> I definitely don't hack into computers. I can barely make them work on a good day. Um, <laughs> but um, definitely, okay, well, we'll talk about biohacking in a minute. First of all, um, Why do I do what I do? I, you know, I've always been fascinated by health and the human body. It's, it's something I think as a kid, I was always into science. I studied physiology in university. And, um, and although my career path kind of took me into the business world for quite a number of years, I always remain connected to the health field. And um, I've always had this underpinning belief that the human body is this incredible, it's just this incredible organism that has the capacity to heal itself. So I've always had a bit of a leaning towards alternative healthcare. And as much as, you know, I know that conventional healthcare, it can, you know, it has its place and Lord knows it's saved me on a couple of occasions. Um, the alternative side where what we're really trying to do is support the body and its own ability to heal itself um, has always been the thing that's drawn me. And um, I think that as I was over the years looking around me, looking at my family and, you know, although I have a family that uh, I come from a family where people cook their meals, we don't, we didn't go out much for meals and stuff like that. So we had a lot of respect for for home-cooked meals and, and whole foods and that kind of stuff, I still saw as they aged, like all these crazy diseases popping up, like diabetes. And um, my grandfather died of, um, I think it was colon cancer. And um, even with my grandmother with dementia later on in life. And, you know, I just never believed that that was necessary. Hmm. And so, I, you know, I just, I've always kind of, I kind of, finally one day I woke up in my corporate job deciding it wasn't doing it for me anymore and I just went back to school and followed my passion. 
That's amazing. It really is. And I, I find when I came to Canada 20 years ago, I found it very surprising that conventional and naturopathic medicine are completely separate here. There's no need of it. In Germany, I could easily be both. Yeah. Yeah. And and here well, we have it all separate. And well, and mm-hmm. they're oppositional, right? But but I think that with the naturopaths, we're starting to see we're starting to see more alignment with the medical, the conventional medicine, which is you know both a good and a bad thing. Yes, and I see it in conventional medicine literature. Sometimes they talk about nutrition and supplements, and sometimes not even just in a negative way, like I was used to hear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think there's some. Uh, alignment going on, but not much, sadly. Yeah, I think it's still more the exception mm. than the rule right now. I think we're we're gonna. I, I you know my my sense is that we're gonna start to see more alignment simply because it's it's irrefutable. Yeah, it's you know just like needed. you cannot deny that what you put into your body has everything to do with your state of health. Of course, like you yeah. just you just can't. Um, but but the problem is that I think that what most people, the attitude, particularly in North America, is that if it ain't broke, don't fix it, which means that if people aren't broken, they don't seek answers. Right. They don't look to, you know, they think they're getting away with their crazy diet, you know, eating bad foods or, or eating the wrong foods, let's say. Let's not label things good or bad. Um, they think that they're getting away with four or five hours of sleep every night or running around in a constant state of stress all the time. Just feel, oh, you know, I'll deal with it later. I'm okay. I'm fine. Now look at me. I'm, I look fine. Or they don't look fine, but they're functioning. And as long as they can keep the lights on, they think they're getting away with stuff. And sadly, I think what start, people are starting to understand is that Disease, as we know, disease builds over decades. Right. And so, if we can if we can bring good practices in early in the game, we can avoid so many of these diseases that, that seem to hit us out of the blue down the road. Absolutely, I call it the barrel model of disease. Yeah. I made a little video about it because it takes years and years and decades to fill the barrel, and we have no symptoms. We think we are okay, but then the barrel overflows. And we go to a conventional doctor and he gives us some pills to mop up the spill, but the barrel is still full. So we have to keep on taking the pills and we need to empty the barrel and help the detoxification systems and stop the rain. And instead, we're putting more Roundup on everything. Did you say Roundup? Yes, I did. (laughs) We definitely need to stop putting Roundup on everything. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, I couldn't agree more. And so, and, and the, the barrel analogy is, is brilliant, right? And I think that when, we, when I meet with clients the first time and I introduce them to that concept and even introduce them to the concept of how their genetics play into mm-hmm. the barrel, like how full it starts off and how quickly it may fill up, right? If you have someone who has impaired detox pathways right. genetically, and they're not taking any steps to mitigate that, then that barrel is going to fill up a lot more quickly. Right. And I always say that the genetics determines the size of the barrel you're born with and the size of the spout where the rain flows out. Yeah. I mean, you are born with a small barrel and a small spout. You get it as a child. Yeah. And then there's people with a large barrel and a large spout and they can eat and drink and smoke and stress out and are still 100 years old and healthy. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, although, and, and you know it's true, because we've, everybody, I've, definitely people will walk around saying, well, you know, there's this guy, and he's like 98 years old, and he's a smoker. But more often than not, I think that guy's living in a small village somewhere. Mm-hmm. And definitely his detox pathways obviously are optimized genetically from the get-go. But the rest of his life might be very different than what we might think. I think that one of the things that people really underestimate today is the impact of all of the toxins that we're exposed to cumulatively that our bodies never had to deal with before. And that goes for, you know, whether it's constant stress, pollution, the chemicals in our foods, but even things like electromagnetic frequency, like the radiation from your phone and you know, soon, and you know, the quality or the lack of quality of, in our water, in our air. And that actually, when we get into that zone, that's where we can talk a little bit about biohacking. Absolutely. Because biohacking for me, so bio, you know, hacking, we talk about hacking into a computer. Well, biohacking for me, it, it shouldn't be scary to people because all it is is what we're looking for are strategies, whether it's a lifestyle strategy or a supplement or a different practice that helps us to offset the reality, the impact of all this modern lifestyle and environment, if you will, on our physiology, which really hasn't changed. Yeah, and the toxic soup that we are living in now, and uh, yeah. the the loss of, of of nutrition and and food quality, and so many nutritionists, and I don't mean the registered holistic nutritionists like yourself, mm-hmm. but the standard dietitians, they don't talk about food quality. They say, "Oh, eat more fruits and vegetables, nice," but that alone doesn't cut the cake. No. No. And even talking about nutrient density, right? So I kind of have a foot in, I find both extremes. I have very, very uh, strong belief in ancestral nutrition. Yes. Um, So very nutrient dense foods using the bone broths, like that kind of stuff with at the same time dipping into some really cool, you know, supplements or Uh, technologies to help to balance out the fact that sometimes we just can't access what we need. Exactly. And I I love that you do that. And uh, I'm looking forward to talking more about that. And uh, the biochemistry is so fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I, I dive into it every day and you learn something more about the enzyme systems and the mitochondrial health and the brain functions and the cells and how we damage our hormonal uh, systems by lowering cholesterol aggressively. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. It yeah, the whole cholesterol sad. debate is, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely very complicated. Mm. I think that there was a time when I mean, and again, genetics has something to do with that as well. Absolutely. Right? Like, I think that there's the problem, the challenge we have is that the systems we have in place right now, the conventional systems need to enlarge, because they're dealing with so many people, they want to find like one blanket answer that's going to apply to everybody Mm -hmm. because it's more manageable. And the fact is that there is no blanket answer because my my tolerance for cholesterol or my tolerance for certain types of foods may be completely different than yours. Exactly. And so to say that, you know, well, I have so many clients that say to me, well, aren't eggs bad? I'm like, well, no, eggs are not bad. Eggs, if you think about it, are one of the most nutrient-dense foods on the planet. Right. However, for some people, they're not going to be the best food. <laughs> so you just have to understand where on that spectrum 
you you fit in to understand how much of a food you want to be eating, if at all. Right, and eggs is not equal to eggs. We have backyard chickens. They are outside on the pasture all day. Yeah. It's very yeah. different. The taste, the looks of, and the nutrient contents is different from eggs that are in cages. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, you know, and I think one of the, one of the hottest debates that's brewing right now, and it's actually getting a little bit ugly. I was just um, on Instagram a little while ago, and there's, um, there's the conversation that's happening around people, this whole issue between eating animal protein mm. and veganism that's mm -hmm. becoming politicized. Ridiculous. It's really scary to me because... Oh. Like so many of the conversations that go on, it's not the right discussion. I mean, I get that people are very emotional about animal welfare and well-being. I, I do get that. But there's, there's another conversation that has to happen around how is an animal raised? How are they treated when they're yeah. alive? How are they nourished? And Natalie, that is wonderful to bring us to the end of the first half because everybody's okay. excited <laughs> to hear more about Uh, what what is more natural, veganism or eating animals and what kind? So please tune in after the commercial break for more about food, quality, health and with Natalie Nidder. Thank you. Hello and welcome back to Healthy Alternatives here on 97.5 CIOEFM or on the web at communityradio.ca. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Sauer, and today I'm talking with a registered holistic nutritionist and biohacker, Nathalie Nedem. Hi back, Nathalie. Hi, thank you. So great to be back. <laughs> great to have you. It, we had an amazing first half of the show uh, talking about your story and what you do. And then we uh, veered a little bit into the topic of veganism versus animal rights versus eating animals. And uh, that it gets politicized and emotional sometimes. And it doesn't really make sense, does it? I don't I don't believe so. I think that from an evolutionary perspective, we were made to consume some animal protein. I mean, do people consume overconsume animal protein? Absolutely. You know, but in certainly in North America. And do we need to be mindful of where we're getting our animal protein from? Absolutely again. Like there's no doubt hmm. that um sourcing properly sourcing your animal protein like the grass-fed beef and the pasture chickens and eggs and not over consuming protein just because you can you know that 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 goes without saying but then but to flip this on its head and to turn it into this big political moral issue and state that nobody should be eating any animal protein and can therefore thrive It's just, unfortunately, it would be great if it was true, but it's, but it's not. We see it. I'm sure you see it in your practice, Christine, all yes. the time. And I see it in my practice where people are kind of falling apart the seams a little bit. And they need some. 
animal protein to be able to function properly. Yeah, and, and, and as we said in yeah. the break, in the ancestral diets and in the other cultures that uh, mm-hmm. are natural cultures, every culture in history ate some animal protein. doesn't have to be red meat. Some ate uh, worms and bugs and, yep. uh, and, and maggots, and that's natural. Yeah. Or others drink the blood, like the Maasai in the in the in the in the in the desert, and that's natural. But it is not natural to exclude it completely. But I agree, there's no need for animals to be treated badly. Mm-hmm. And I and I do, and I'm I'm ready to take a stand on that one. You yeah. know, I think that um, is it, there's nothing about it that that works. For anyone, frankly. For short term, um, it may, but I haven't met any uh, real vegan that kept it like that for more than 10, 20 years without serious health consequences. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, there's always shortfalls. And I mean, definitely, you read about in the literature that there are certain individuals who genetically are better adapted to extracting protein from vegetable foods. Mm -hmm. And so there are some people that may get away with it better than others. Right. But the fact is there's a lot of people who just can't. And so are we saying that it's okay to have people walking around being chronically deficient in key nutrients like B12 and iron and certain proteins? Like, it's just, it it doesn't make a lot of sense. And I don't know that we want to get into the politics of this so much. I just think that people, you know, we have to get away from the semantics. We have to get away from from blanket statements. And we just kind of have to apply a little bit of common sense and heart to this. And maybe we should go back to the roots. And uh, you, you probably know that the native cultures, when they take an animal that they want for food and uh, of course trophy hunting is not what, what I recommended any for, but they are grateful they thank mm-hmm. the spirits for it and I love that and every time we have backyard chickens when I collect their eggs I go and say thank you girls that's those are nice eggs yeah exactly and they, so they say gag gag and, and, and go on their day and pick and scratch what chickens want to do Exactly. Well, they, they're having a perfectly fabulous life, right? They're running around doing what they do. I think that, um, it, you know, it, it's the gratitude. The other piece about ancestral nutrition and something that's gotten lost over the years is this whole eating of eating the whole animal and the nutrient density that you get from eating liver or eating all these parts of the animal that we now, you know, for all whatever reason have excluded out of our diets, which mm-hmm. is costing us again from a nutrient density perspective and has given rise to the need for using a lot of supplements because we can't get vitamin A or, or you know, so many people can't convert the vegetable vitamin A into the usable form retinol that we actually need. Right. Um, and the best way to get that really is to eat a little bit of liver once in a while. Um, But, But on um, the other hand, you have to be very careful nowadays because the regular liver is full of toxins. Right. But that's where sourcing your meat becomes yes, important, right? Absolutely. So getting getting your grass-fed beef or whatever the case may be mm, becomes so pretty important. important. Having said that, my understanding on liver is that it doesn't necessarily hold the toxins. But, you know, any animal that's been factory farmed is going to be toxic, Absolutely, and the the fat composition is so different. Absolutely, and we yeah. need good fats. And the normal omega three six ratio in grass fed beef is about one to one. 
which is normal. And cafo uh, uh, animals in concentrated animal feedlots meat, it's 20 times as many omega-6s yeah. to omega-3. That's pro-inflammatory. We get sick from that. Yeah, and it's interesting, you know, and again, in all this discussion, omega-6 gets a bit bad rap, you know, mm-hmm. it's, and, and this is, these are the things we see, and I know that you probably spend a lot of time in, in your practice doing this as well. People would say to me, oh, well, omega-6 is really bad, and it's mm-hmm. like, well, no, it's not. <laughs> it's actually, we need some omega-6, too, because we have a normal inflammatory response, but it's the problem is that we're now stuck in inflammation all the time because of the, the bad rate of the, of the over-representation of omega-6 in our diets. Yeah. So it's, it's, about, it's about balance, and this is what nature teaches us, right? It's all about balance. The, right. other, the other area where I see this a lot right now is, I, you know, we, we talk a lot about blue light and red light, like those spectrums of light. I don't know if you've read uh, Sachin Patel's book, The Circadian Code, but it's another fascinating, fascinating book that that speaks to the importance of us maintaining our circadian rhythm to our health. And I don't know what the percentage is of people, but I'm sure you agree, like, it's got to be like the vast majority of people that we deal with, their circadian rhythm is completely knocked out because of the timing of when they eat, because of their exposure to artificial light and screens at night when you really need to not have that exposure. And just, and you would think, okay, well, that means I'm not sleeping as well with that. That's a trigger for every other health issue that is going to come come at you down the road is being off that circadian rhythm. Absolutely, and that's why shift workers are more sick than people that have a regular rhythm. And yeah, it, it should be adjusted. There's some shift work that is not avoidable, and we have to agree to do it. But uh, when we can avoid it, we should avoid it, and uh, I'm all for it. And uh, it's a fascinating topic, it really is. And there's lots of issues that affect our health. It's not just one thing, and we certainly can do a whole other show about it, and we will. <laughs> and today, I just want you to share to my listeners before we end, how can they contact you uh, to uh get to get to uh, know you get into your website get to to talk to you sure um okay so um my so to read my website is my name really right now it's uh, natalie nidham so it's I, I think christine maybe you'll put this in the show notes or somewhere but sure it's, it's natalie with an h because i am french first so it's n-a-t-h-a-l-i-e and my last name is nidham so it's natalie com is my website um you can also find me on Facebook under my name, or I've got a Facebook page um, that is called um, the Biohacking for Longevity, the Five Star Method. That is amazing, and uh, I will certainly go ahead and share that. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing you uh, soon for the next show. Thanks for I being on that. this show. And this brings me to the end of today's show. And please don't hesitate to contact me with any questions, thoughts, comments or suggestions. Or if you'd like to contact Natalie, my email here is christine at communityradio.ca or you can contact me through my website doccristine.com. And I'm always grateful for any feedback. 
I also want to extend a special thank you to today's producer, Luke Edinger. Thanks, Luke. You might not know this, but this is a volunteer-run non-profit radio station, and we even have an art gallery. If you're local and you'd like to drop in, we are at 11 Glendale Avenue, Lower Sackville, Nova Scotia. Thank you all for listening to Healthy Alternatives. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Sauer. Tune in next Thursday at noon on 97.5 CIOE FM Community Radio with live stream on communityradio.ca for the next and a very interesting episode. Goodbye and have a great day.